Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. Oh, that's right, podcast fans. It's yet another bloody episode of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. And today we are on episode 34, and this is one episode I've been looking forward to for a very, very long time. We are going to be talking about the art of managing in professional wrestling. And for me, I've got three of the absolute best to have ever done. It's not just in Brit Res, but anywhere that I've seen. I'm going to blow some smoke up their arses. And even though you can't see their faces, they're all going a little bit red, a little bit blushy because... Fuck it, it's true. They are three of the best, and I'm absolutely just, I, I'm thankful beyond belief that uh, they're going to come do this show with me. So please allow me to introduce to you Mr. Tom McManus. Hello there. Uh, Miss Melanie Price. Hi. <laughs> a, a, a bit of a nervous one for Mel. And uh, Miss Stacey Rose. <laughs> Hello. How are you all doing? Thank you all so much for coming and do this, by the way. Thanks, no, thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's okay. Because there's other people that I was kind of thinking about getting on, but I didn't want to dilute it down too much, and I didn't want it to go five hours. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick three that I kind of hold quite near and dear. We have a little chin wag because there's no two ways about it. It's the the art of managing in professional wrestling. Even though all four of us have done other jobs uh, in this business, for me, it's that managing role that has given us longevity. It's given us a lot of fun. We've been around and got you know, quite successful in this business because of that. But why do you think it is that the art of managing a professional wrestling in 2021, where, where's it gone? Why is it gone? Um, that's a good question, really. Um, I think at the minute, I think AEW are actually doing a pretty good job at sort of bringing it back because um, they seem to have a lot of managers on the go. But um, I think... In my personal opinion, I think once the curtain was sort of pulled back on wrestling, like if you think back to like the 1980s, the likes of Freddie Blassie and Bobby Heenan and Sensational Sherry, they were such larger than life characters, which we all love about wrestling. But I think there came a point where it became more about realism. And I think maybe that was around about the time the the managers sort of started to, like, we started to see a decline in managers. Like, I think even, mm. like, with WWE and stuff. Yeah, I think I think Stacey make, makes a good point. If you look at where the, the decline sort of happened from those characters from, like, towards the end of the 90s, um, rest, wrestling over here as well, you've got to look at the fact that, like, wrestling over here was on, like, a complete decline on the independent scene and then when it came back it was very much a case of bringing over those um the the sort of independent scene that was developing on the on the US at the time and now when it sort of integrated it like you look at old pro like old progress back in the heyday or old ICW and stuff like that well maybe not ICW as such but particularly progress and rev pro that in ring style it doesn't necessarily suit a manager as much so it it's arguably out of necessity, I think, in terms mm. of it. Yeah. I'm just thinking really I feel like it sometimes shouldn't be that way, but whatever is in vogue with WWE, if they want yeah. something to be over at that time, like Lana and Rusev, it will be over and they will push it. But and if it's in vogue with WWE, it sometimes filters into the indies and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. 
So yeah. if they wanted to get back a full strength roster of managers, I think they could in a second. It's just yeah, because I remember there was like a very early WrestleMania where I'm pretty certain every match had a manager. There was about four or five managers, but they all managed the heels in every single yeah. match. It was so you know, Jimmy Hart had a different jackie for each person. It was about it's a 13 match card or more, and mm-hmm. every single one had a manager. And I thought they don't necessarily need to get involved in every match, doing the typical manag- you know, manager stick and manag- manager shenanigans. Um, but I quite liked that each heel had, had, a, uh, had a representative, even if they didn't speak for them. Just so visually, you, if you're a kid watching, well, mm. I was booing that guy and he had that guy. Now he's out again. I'm going to boo whoever's, he, whoever's he's with because he's a bad guy. So I kind of think it kind of spoon feeds a lot of the fans to... Not to know who to boo, because that sounds a bit ridiculous, but kind of kind of gives them a little bit of a helping hand of, yep, yeah, I think that dude's a prick. Whoever he represents, I think they're a prick too. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. You have that with um I think well, I think you're sort of starting to see again, as Stacey mentioned, that with with AEW now that if there's a connection to someone, that person always sort of comes out with them. But yeah, I like I think it's the concept of wrestlers having friends and stuff like that. Like it will happen and you wouldn't want to be out there necessarily on your own boxing. Boxing doesn't do it. Uh, UFC doesn't do it. They've always got teams that come in. So we're primarily a simulation of a sport. So usually the best thing to do is simulate other sports that are doing it. Yeah. Now, what do you think, dear? Yeah, just... Like I say, I just feel like WWE just rules the roost, really, and they will put managers on a pedestal if they think it needs it. Sometimes I feel like with AEW, are they trying to go through like a New Japan sort of thing, having groups of wrestlers from different gyms? Is it that, or is it because they have got a huge roster, they need to put them in groups and gangs? I'm not sure, mm. maybe it's a bit of both, but always having a representative for each. Yeah. Doesn't absolutely. hurt, does it? No, like I think um, it, it definitely had something different to a show. If you have a, a six to a ten match card and it's just person versus person, maybe chuck the occasional tag match in there. Um, I think just having one match with a really good manager makes that match stand out, especially if the heel they're speaking for, it plays their part and they shut mm. the fuck up. Yeah. Um, you literally speak for them. I think yeah, a yeah. really good example for me is obviously Miss Stacy Rose with Lance Rivera. Now we've used them on our shows, and for me, Stace just steamrolls Lance. He can't get a word in edgeways, and I love that because you can tell just by the look on Lance's face that he's just wanting to say something, doesn't get the chance, and I think that's such a special thing to have on a show because again it's something different it's not just person versus person and they're going to speak for them having someone else speak for you gives the crowd something why aren't they speaking like it makes them ask questions and if they're asking questions they're already a bit intrigued they're mm. a bit interested in you they're a bit more invested in you and it keeps a bit of the mystery as well 
you know it's, it's you don't always have necessarily have to speak on behalf of that person or speak for them but it does add a bit of an air of mystery and now in this wrestling 2021 where nothing's a mystery anymore you know wrestlers real names where they're from sometimes their home addresses which is a little bit creepy and scary yeah. mm. like nothing is not in the public eye now to take a, a to, to bring that back a step i think that's what that's what the world needs you know not just the world of wrestling but the world here just keep a little bit of mystery yeah i agree i think because i'm like pissed that the undertaker has started acting like a normal <laughs> dude in front of everyone <laughs> i'm like what are you doing but um yeah i mean i think the most recent version of that might be like paul Heyman and brock lesnar yeah mm. um i'm trying to think of AEW and people who talk for for the wrestler, but I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head, at least. You've got the guy who's doing the, the is it the anti-woke sort of gimmick? He's speaking for um, Ego, Ego, Ethan Page and um, Scorpio Sky at the moment. Oh, Dan Lowe. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. yeah, he's good. Um, you've got you've got people like you, the, the the bunny talking on behalf of the bunch yeah. and the blade, but she does she's not really speaking on behalf of. She's kind of stood shoulder to shoulder with yeah. him, but she's mm-hmm. not really pulling on those reins. Yeah, like 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 a sensational Chevy would. I will I will yeah. always go back. I will always go back to Chevy. Stacy knows this about me. Like mm. Chevy was just the fucking best. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, like she was a physical manager. Now I'm. We're going to get get onto it in a little bit, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of doing this. But like, if you've got a medical reason not to be a physical manager to take a bump, mm. okay, fair fair enough, I get it. But if you're a manager that's willing to take that bump to end up on your ass, oh my god, the the world is like your oyster. It's fantastic because all you have to do is just take one bump. The wrestlers are doing it ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. You take one really well executed manager bump. And people go home talking about it. Mm. People, what a payoff! Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it gives it. It always gives you that option as well to send the the crowd home happy, and the fact that it means your guy can win um, in a in a case, and then you just take the heat. After, you just take the heat, and then give the face something to um, to really work off in in regards to it uh, to send the crowd home happy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so what? So, what is it for you three that's been? Because we've said on on the podcast, right, all four of us, we're all doing other jobs other than other than managing. Mm-hmm. But I do feel managing is our four sort of strongest callings. What is it about that managing role that's made uh, you three successful and made you want to keep on doing it? I think for me, it was just sort of committing to it. Because I think, like, you know, I entered the industry wanting to be a wrestler, and I think most people do. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was reasons for me not wrestling for a long time. And I think just being willing to be a manager whilst I wasn't wrestling, it's just sort of, like, committing to it. And I Mm. think a lot of people, if they were asked to be a manager or a referee or something else... I think a lot of people would get disheartened because they've not been asked to wrestle. But I think you've just got to sort of go for it and take the opportunity, really. 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I think I think very sort of. I mean, my my goal when I came in was I always wanted to I wanted to be a manager. I had no desire to be a wrestler um, at any point. Uh, man, managing was always the aspect of of watching stuff that appealed to me. Um, but I've, I I do completely agree that sometimes getting told like go, going in as a trainee, there comes a point where you do have to turn around and say this might not be for me full time. Um, but it's it's nice to point out that there are other roles to it and stuff like that. And we've I've been, I've been able to do it with people before where you can sort of hopefully point them in the in the right direction of where they where they should start putting their attention on other roles and stuff like that. But yeah, I I just think in terms of getting successful and stuff like that, like it's just a case of like, you've got to be very careful with managing because it's, it's very like the promoter's got to be willing to take a chance on you um, and just getting out to do as much as stuff. It didn't, it didn't click for me managing until I was probably about two years in probably doing, doing a show at Gulver's world. Um, just a camp show and it suddenly just parts of the match fell into place and it just suddenly clicked in terms of getting your crowd work out there it's getting that opportunity to do crowd work it's just fantastic totally I would agree with that I mean I can't imagine why any trainee would turn down being a manager to get in front of the crowd to let that experience yeah. I just yeah it would baffle yeah. me but I don't think I've learned anything more than listening to like the models and that put matches together mm. yeah yeah i mean i, I sort of get it because i mean i i started 2000 it was may 2007 and i've pretty much always been quite sort of i'm built like a daddy long legs like let's call it like i'm that, that's me i'm just a bit sort of spindly arms or whatever so putting on any kind of weight it just didn't happen but like stacy said like i wanted to wrestle because that's I've been watching since I was four, mm. since we're talking about 1988, because I'm a little bit old, unfortunately, folks. Um, but, like, I've always wanted to wrestle, so went, you know, got along to wrestling school, and just getting told you, yeah, you're a bit, you're too thin, and it's, yeah, you're not putting on any weight, trying to eat the right things, trying to work out, and it just wasn't happening for me, and I, I kind of, I wasn't disheartened when I thought I wanted to try managing it was someone that insulted me so fucking badly that it turned into a compliment and i still to this day don't know why i was talking to someone kind of like i'm doing now and the wrestler just kind of like in the middle of my sentence went oh do you ever fucking shut up <laughs> and i'm like um, I'm, 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 I'm sorry dude it's like no 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 that's good. I'm like, why is that good? You've just told me shut the fuck up. So it's like, I can't stand your voice. <laughs> like, dude, like, what? And he said, no, but that's a good thing. Like, get, get a suit. Let's, let's make you a manager because listening to you makes me want to punch you in the face. And again, <laughs> like, is, is that not the weirdest comment to take in the world and to turn that into a compliment? Oh. Yeah. No, I'm like, you just kind of go, okay. Um, so yeah, I went Burton's, bought the most basic, yeah. like, 40-pound black suit, luminous coloured tie. Everyone goes the black suit, early doors, hate it. And a little bit of chin fluff, no fake tan at that point. And, yeah, within the first couple of shows, people chucking stuff at me, um, a couple of death threats, which is always nice. Um 
say, people saying, uh, did you drive here? Uh, and I said, yeah. He said, good, we'll be in the car park. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, what show uh, today, Phil? Say that again, dear. What company was that? Oh, it was a company called uh, BWA here in Stoke. It was run by a, a guy called Chris Curtis and uh, Claire Curtis or Claire Matthews. Um, and yeah, they kind of took a chance on me. They've kind of gone under the radar and they've not got the best of reputations, but they give me my first mm. yeah, foot in the door. So, but yeah, just being told, shut the fuck up. I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. So maybe, you know, maybe wrestling's not for me, but I can still be a part of it. And I have to yeah. take a bump. That's fine. And I bought, so I'd buy my suits from Primark, and Primark suits do not rip. Nope. Just putting mm. that out there. Just, <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been chucked into, into the middle of the audience, off stages, and never ripped a Primark suit. Burns, yes, and all those other kind of you know, suit places, absolutely. Primark, nope, never ripped one. So big shout out to Primark suits. <laughs> Sponsorship. Primark's yeah. also really good for, like, managing gear, because... Because obviously, because we we do take bumps and stuff or whatever, you know, just cheap hit the sale rack, off you go. Yeah, I mean, where where do you three stand on that? Because I saw Tom take, um, I think he's a stunner from Keith Myers a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Obviously, I've seen Stace and Mal both wrestle, so obviously I know they can take bumps and stuff anyway. But what is it about? taking it like a manager bump because if you're doing a match you're taking 20 30 40 50 bumps whatever yeah. what is it about saving up for that for that one bump is it the few and far between is it kind of people wanting it and wanting it and wanting it when it finally happens it's a big payoff yeah for me i think it's the payoff aspect of it that gets the fans if you like really rile them up and um, make them wait for it yeah, I th- yeah I agree. I normally go with um, I know I normally never have an issue with doing like one <sighs> shot. Like my my view on bumps for the most part is usually about protecting, doing it so that the guy or the person that you're with doesn't have to take a bump. That particularly in a bump that if it's if it's at the end of the show, if someone's got to get laid out at the end of it. You know, it keeps your your person just a tiny bit stronger if you're the one that gets laid out at the end of it because they remember that you're the one that got your ass handed to you, not the other guy that got their ass handed to. But I think I think there's sometimes when you 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 just know when you either should or shouldn't have taken a bump. Like at the last Unstoppable show when um that uh that that we hate Tom chant had taken off during the main event and it was the the four way I think it was mm-hmm. and um it had gotten to the point where it was a little, in my opinion, the, the chant had gotten a little bit too loud. So I was like, I want to cool them off and I want them getting back to watching the stuff in the ring. Yeah. So I think I was by Shake and Jimmy Jackson and they were about, to, they were brawling at the side of the ring. So I just stood in between Shake and Jimmy Jackson and I just said to Jimmy, I just said, Jimmy, just launch me across the room. Just like, <laughs> just, gra- just grab me and throw me somewhere because if they see me take a bump, they'll show up about me for a little bit. And then the attention's back on those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Good ad lib call there. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, my, at one point of it, my timeline was, like, I'd be kind of scrolling through, and uh, I can always guarantee it was, like, on a weekly basis, like, oh, there's Mal, spark out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but, obviously, yeah, um, 
Well, obviously, with obviously you and Stace, you you two have got a, a bit of an issue that me and Tom don't have. I mean, you both wear dresses now. I know Stace on the, you know, the last uh, pressing few show you did for us, the photographer got an upskirt. Like for me, I'd be very self-conscious about if I get knocked or sort of red, and I was in a skirt, whether there'd be someone with a bit of a long angle lens or just I'd be a bit too self-conscious with that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd always, always wear a pair of shorts under whatever dress I was wearing. Yeah. Just up. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Sorry, Mel. Oh, no, you continue. Sorry. I was about to say, I always have, like, I think a pair of Spanx on or something, usually. Yeah. So that it look, it kind of looks like underwear, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> so, just, you know, secrets of the wrestling trades. <laughs> trades yeah. So me, me, and, me and Tom are, le- are learning so much. If yeah. we ever do like a you know, loser wears the dress match or bra and panties match, mate, Spanx. <laughs> Spanx. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, to be fair, I'm I rip. Go on, Mel. I, like, I feel like even though I'm always sort of photographed as bumped, I feel like I would choose my bumps wisely. Like I'd rather save them for like a payoff storyline. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be at it all the time. I don't think uh, anyway. <laughs> have, have you got a bump on your bump card that you ever look back and go, mm, probably shouldn't have taken that? Uh... Where, where either like through the crowds, whether it was too early in the match, too late in the match, too late in the show, something out in your hands or out of your, your hands, any bump that you'd go, mm, or uh, not that you wouldn't shouldn't have taken, but one you wish would have gone better. I think the only one that I can think off the top of my head is because um, I don't really regret bumps that much, but the one that I did, I probably should have picked a wiser, made a wiser choice with what I was wearing on the top. Um, No one saw anything, but I had to roll over quickly so that they didn't see anything. So so make wise fashion choices. (laughs) If you're gonna bump, I would say. Well, what about you two? Any, any bumps you regret, or any that you wish would have just been a little bit more fruitful? I should have bumped for Eddie Ryan on uh, the the one time I, we we worked with Eddie Ryan um, at WrestlePro and Pinfall. But I was uh, I was early days, and the guy I was working with was the champ, and I was like, I'm I'm not gonna do it. And I said, uh, and I was like, I was young cocky a little bit a little bit too cocky and now i look back at that and go like should have taken a super kick at the end should have should have come and done it should have come and done it um yeah that's 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 the one where i regret but it was a learning curve for me because then i was like it started off a ring of like knowing when to bump from then yeah i can't really think of um storyline bumps i know I, I i sometimes would take like shoves to the hard floor and regret it straight away. <laughs> yeah. I don't know as far as like match planning and parts of the match. We always try and bump right at the end, never earlier on. But yeah, not yeah. on the hardwood floor without mats, guys, in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you can, like, sometimes, usually, the less people in the venue, the more willing I am to do something fucking stupid. Yeah. And that, that doesn't make sense because. I won't, ne- won't name the company that, that I, I did it for because I don't want to make them sound bad. But yeah, they're a good company, but they just didn't draw on this one particular day. Yeah. They had um, four Saturdays in August one year, and it was same venue every Saturday. 
And the first show drew about 50 people. Second, you know, Saturday after, about 20, 30 people. By the third show, there was people's families and there's maybe 19 people there. And quite a nice, a nice venue. Ring was up on the up on the stage. It was like a, an old theatre. And I've taken the old manager bump where you're holding the face in the ropes, the heel charges, face steps away, you get hit, and you just bump wherever you bump. And nice. I've done it a million, million times. I'm sure you three have as well. But as I kind of chucked myself backwards, I thought in my head, just, just go a bit further. Just, just turn into a really long bump. And forgetting that I've got the, the, the audience behind me because that's where the back of the stage is. I'm not thinking. And so I've kind of, like, as I've jumped, I've kind of hit the floor. Thought, do, do, a little, do a little handstand, do a little handstand. <laughs> Done a handstand, gone off the front of the stage and gone about two, two metres down into the pit where the fucking seating is. And I'm just lying on the floor thinking, I've just done that in front of 19 people. <laughs> I, later on, I didn't even get paid. I had to call a favour because I feel we've not got money with us. Do you mind if we pay you next week? Oh. <sighs> Fine. And, like, I'm ugh, ridiculous. Absolutely fucking... I definitely... But I don't regret it. It's the I, pattern. We do it for the love. Yeah. Yeah. I have... I don't... Obviously, I don't want to make this about me. Um... Again, I, I do. I will do stupid stuff. I, um, have any of you worked at the world infamous Stoke on Trent Bids Club? No. It's no. the biggest shithole in the world. Just, I'm not knocking any promotions that have that have ran there. I'm not knocking any performers that perform there. Um, but it was for another company in Stoke, and I wanted to do this, that that exact same bump. You're holding the the face and yeah. the ropes. They check you, and you go backwards. Now, I was watching some Jackie Chan earlier in the day, and he likes to roll over the top of tables, roll over the top of car bonnets, and it's fine. Did it before the show, just in my shorts. No issues at all. So I was going to get checked, chuck myself backwards, turn, kind of land on the table with my chest, push off the table, and do a little roll over it. Did it. Perfectly fine. Not an issue in the fucking world. Yeah, gets two hours later, I'm doing that bump. I get checked. As I turn... This is the one drawback of Primark suits. They don't stretch. They don't rip, but they don't stretch. So mm -hmm. I couldn't I couldn't turn my body enough so I could like double over on the table. So I hit the side of the table, the mm. side, the side of my and it wasn't a breakable oh. table. It was like a beer table that I'd hit on the side of my ribs, rolled over the side of it. And I thought, I'm windy, I'm windy, I'm windy, just lie here, no one's gonna bother you. Just breathe, just breathe. And I'm just trying to catch my breath. And I heard this sweetest little six or seven year old voice of a little girl in the first row go, Oh he fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> like god damn, I've just almost broke myself in half and this little this little infant wants me fucking dead. Kids are absolutely brutal, man. Uh, yeah. But do do I regret that bump? No? Still no? Uh, I should. That really fucking hurts so bad. I'd had a thing and maybe took home 15 quid that night and seven of that was my fucking taxi fare. <laughs> ah, so we're talking managing, obviously the good, the bad and the ugly. We talked about some good stuff, talked about some bad stuff. I want to know some ugly stuff. Has any uh, member of the audience ever taken it a bit too far with yourselves? Because we are there for the heat. We are heaters. That's what a manager's job is, to poke the bear until it, it goes, Wah! 
You're like, cool, got him. On to the next person. So talking audience members that might have taken it too far. Yeah, I've got one of these, um, which is actually fairly recent. I've never, I've never had an issue with uh, with audience members for the most part because it's always been, it's always because I because I've I pride myself on having a very non-threatening aura. No one takes me seriously. Um, it's the like, it's the mustache. Like, if, if, if I yeah, if I tell someone to shut up, they're just gonna be like, no, you're an idiot. Um, so I've never had that before, but then I worked, um, I worked Sheikh Al Sham's, uh, training school where he's been doing the, um, his top, top rope, like little mini training shows there. And, uh, obviously, cause I worked with Sheikh, I, I was working with Sheikh there as well. And Sheikh was working with his nephew. So they had a lot of like the local community in there that knew Sheikh and knew that Sheikh's nephew was the guy who he was wrestling with. So they were hot for this. And like the hot was like, no, I was just a bystander to the rest of them in this match. It was all about them two in the ring. And um, me and Shake never plan. Um, we're at the point now where we've worked together so much that we never plan um, yeah. cheat spots in the ring. We've just got like, if I distract the ref, that's H's cue to cheat. If H distracts yeah. the ref, that's uh, my cue to cheat. So Shake threw uh, Snowy's nephew out of the ring uh, and he's on the floor and he goes off to distract, distract the ref. And I'm like, all oh, right, okay. There's nothing I can really do. Like, I don't like doing things like kicks or stomps um, just because I'm not trained. So I never do them, but I can do a sort of like a wail on where I'm just like, the arms are never touching the person that I'm doing it to. I'm like, the only thing I can do is wail on this guy because he's on the floor. So I dive down to wail on him and we're right by the audience, and all of a sudden, I just feel two hands on the repel, mm. lapels of my jacket lift me up and just throw me across the room. Oh. And I was like, what was that? And it was just some big guy in the audience that had just gone, no, I'm having none of this, picked me up, <laughs> threw me across the room. That was oh, terrifying. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It never, it never went any further than that, because I just... That was the one time where my aura might have become a little bit more threatening, where I looked at him and was like, don't fucking do that again. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that one was crazy. My gosh. <laughs> no, definitely not had anything like that. Get, yeah. You know, punched and kicked by kids, standard. But no, never anything scary. No, nothing like no. that. I kind of feel like this is one area that the, the ladies in this conversation are kind of getting off a little bit easy. You, I've would, been, you would hope yeah. so. Yeah. I, I think the ugly side of it for uh, women, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever had the same thing, Mel. I tend to find that people, people's partners tend to be a little uh, hostile, shall we say. Um, <laughs> I suppose that's what, Yeah. <laughs> Well, to, to you managing their to their boyfriend, husband, whatever, they're a bit hostile to you for being his manager? Yeah. Oh, okay. This isn't, this isn't an area that I thought we were going to go down, but yeah. fuck it, we've gone down it. So, uh, all right, this is an over-18s podcast, by the way. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably, nothing... should have, probably should have said that at the start. <laughs> there's never been anything, like, specifically, like, terrible, but, like... Um... 
you know, you just get after the show, you get like the dirty looks and stuff. And um, I actually did get told once um, by my uh, my now ex-partner that his ex-girlfriend, when they were together, um, thought I had a slaggy face. Jesus. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I think it's more bitchiness when it comes to women, to be honest. Yeah, I, I do think um, sort of female managers get people say anything to them. I mean, I, I've had bottles chucked at me. I've had an audience member chucked a wooden chair and it kind of stuck me in the head, which which wasn't nice. Mm-hmm. I've had occasional things thrown, but never really anything said to me that's really going to get me going. But whether it's female managers, for whatever reason, the audience just says, you know what, I can say, I can cut deep. If I yeah. want to call her a slag, I'm going to call her a slag. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it feels like women get the more brutal, cut-to-the-bone kind of comments that I don't know if I'd, if I'd enjoy that. At that I point. mean, there's definitely objectifying and that kind of thing. But at the same time, you are putting yourself on display not to be received negatively or you know called names or any wolf whistles or all that but it it kind of you know comes with the territory I guess if you're gonna have drunk people at shows and you're gonna be parading around just take it on the chin yeah I I feel like it's gotten better in like recent years in terms of like slut shaming and stuff I feel like it is now a lot of well for me anyway a lot of it's been geared more towards just like Stacey sucks and things like that as opposed to actually like commenting on me and what I look like Uh, but definitely for a time it was like at least insinuated that like I was a slag or whatever yeah it's 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 mental how that happens because I've never had anyone like get that close to the bone with me I've had people shouting you know homophobic things at me while like with while my girlfriend at the time's there taking pictures one meter away you're like are you getting all this on on footage because they're, they're yeah. calling me a lot lots of uh, on, you know, lots of rude stuff I, like i don't care if people want to think i'm gay cool i'm fake tans i've got an earring i've got purple hair whatever don't care um but like no one's ever i don't, I don't know how i'd take someone calling me like a man slag or a man slot or something i don't know it's it's a bit of a weird one. But so talking, I want to talk about injuries as well. Um, so we were all taking bumps, like Miles said, like you know, the next day or even you know, next couple of minutes, you'll take a bump on a solid wooden floor. And you'll go, mm, yep, no, yeah, shouldn't have done that one. And all the all the wind in your body just comes out just instantly. The second your back hits that floor. Yep. Regretting that one. But I've, I've Injuries wise, have we all been relatively apart from Mal at the many two who's got a broken foot? <laughs> Sorry, dear. Get get better soon. But apart from that, yes. how have we have we all done injury wise? Um, all my injuries have come from wrestling rather than managing. Oh, um, okay. So I've never really done I've never really done any damage while I've been I've maybe been like bruised and stuff, but I've never really done any proper damage while I've been managing. Yeah, I've been I've been very fortunate in the fact that I've never had anything 
I've never had to do anything drastic enough that's like I, I've got a few things that have like compiled over the years that are probably like I'm a little bit lazy and probably should go and get checked out every now and again. But that's just from <laughs> from uh that's just from like the last couple of years of just doing it and then being like, oh, the radox a radox bath will fix this. <laughs> yeah, which it usually does, but yeah, there's something every now and again, but it's nothing nothing as bad as anyone else ever gets any stuff. Yeah. Manager manager hazards are different, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. You, you you the worst one. <laughs> this is gonna be like you're all just gonna laugh at me. The worst thing that ever happened to me managing was I don't know if you ever went to Great Bear that was in like a sand batch and I was um they didn't really draw that great but they had a great roster and yeah. I have like these mad nails and I used to have really really long nails and um I did the usual get bumped off the apron and I bumped and my nail got stuck to the top rope and it split all oh. the way down there and you could see the flesh underneath and like my finger swelled so I don't know what <laughs> no one felt sorry for me no, no, I would have. Like, I would have felt sorry for like, you, Mel. Ah, apart from, um, I don't know if he's still in AEW now. Is it Chuck Chucky e. T. Chuck Taylor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. there. He was like, "Oh, I really feel for you," but everyone else, like Joey and whoever else on the show, was just like, "Well, you've done it to yourself." And it hurt <laughs> so bad that I went to the walking centre, <laughs> and I, and the doctor shouted at me and said, "Don't ever come back here," but gave me some glue to glue it back together. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I've got them done again, didn't I? So well, I was like, I was on the floor, but my nail was still on the attached to the top rope. Oh, uh, this is probably gonna like go really downhill. I apologize, but as Tom, as you'll know, as you get older, um, there, there are parts of you that elongate. I'm trying to be really politically correct in what I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> right, let's just call it out this as you get as you get older, your balls get longer, and yep. It's if I don't know why it always seems to be people like sort of Dylan Roberts or people like that or Babyface Pitbull that insist on launching me over the top rope or don't throw me far enough. I'm I'm six one. I'm tall enough, but they under throw me so that my uh, the the berry's not the twig. Again, trying to be politically correct, snags on the top rope to the point that like my bits are like Mal's nail. Like I'm on the floor, but my bits are still on the top rope. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm quite fortunate that that's never going to be a problem for me because top rope's one of the things that I refuse to do. Oh, uh, like, okay. like, I'm like, you know, the whole like, um, it's not a, not like a, like, I'm not like, oh, I don't want to do it or anything, but it's like, you know, how Triple H has supposedly got that thing of like, he can't take the shoulder post, he can't get put oh. through the ropes. Like, he's like, my brain just doesn't work that way, and I yeah. can't, I don't know how to do it. So, Whenever I've tried to be thrown over the top rope, I just go, like, my brain just shuts down and goes, we're not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> so it just doesn't do it. So I've never, so I've never ever, like, properly done it on a show and stuff like that. I think it's, um, it's Kurt Angle, isn't it? Kurt Angle can't take a back, a back roll over the top rope. Like, whenever yeah. they try and chuck him from the rumble, he always has to turn at the last yeah. second and go, oh, I'll get that. I'll get that. Yeah. Any, any time I've ever, ever, any time I've ever tried to do it, my brain just shuts down and just stops. So I've just said, like, there's no point. I'm never going to learn how to do it. No. Well, whenever yeah. I've taken a stunner, I've, I've bit through my lip. This is, I think it's on the yeah. very, first, yeah, very first Silverdale show. So I did two over 18 shows. Didn't really draw, lost ridiculous money. And I'm going to move it to a working men's club in Silverdale where I grew up. 
make it a lot cheaper, make it family friendly, make some uh, make some money, and um, whatever. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll take a stunner on this show. I'm a heel manager. I'll take a stunner on it. And I'd never taken one before. I just assumed I could do it. And the guy didn't let go of my head. So he, as he brought me down, I thought I'm going to get to sort of knee level where you go to your knee, and then I'll just bump out of it. But because he had my head, he pulled my face. And I ended up biting through my top lip. Oh. Um, and I just had to lie there because he had put me in a dress. So I'm just lying there because he bits of blood on the canvas. But he's a dirty canvas and I'm thinking, is that mine? Is that someone else's? Should I be lying this close if it's someone else's? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And I'm trying to like, move my head out of the way. It's, oh, no, there's a blood stain there. Okay, we'll move my head back this way. And while well, he's trying to put this orange and black dress on me while I'm like bleeding out my face. Uh, yay, <laughs> wrestling. Saturday night in Stoke. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so what do we see for the future of managing? Because we talked about the AEW tends to do it. For me, it feels like they do it, but it's a it's it's never. I don't want to say it's an afterthought because that's I don't that would be doing them a disservice because at least they're trying to do it. But are we at a point in time where we expect everyone? to do everything. Now, I don't just mean with wrestling. If you go to McDonald's, they'll do subs, they'll do pizzas, just like Subway or Pizza Hut. You go to any fast food place, they're no longer um, dedicated to one style of food. They do a, a good few. So are we now expecting, if a wrestler can't talk um, or cut a promo and that sort of thing, are we now into the, the sort of the era of, well, they need to be a one-stop shop. Why pay two wages when I can pay one? Everyone should know how to cut a promo, which I agree. Because there are some people out there that can't talk for shit, and I hate hearing them. If you can't talk, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Well, is that now the case that we expect every performer to be a, a one-stop shop to do everything? I think that um, there is a lot of pressure on people to be an all-rounder these days as a wrestler. Um. There's not really um, people don't tend to like have a specialism and stick to it anymore. I think, but I think it's like the outside pressure to be good at everything. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's coming back to the point um, to the point of its heyday. But I don't think that the product reflects that um, at the moment, anyway. Um, it's the thing is, with with promoters it's always going to come down to their individual opinion like i i know people that like i know that people that want want me with shake because i can do more talking for him i know people that have the same aspect of shake where they're like well shake can talk so why do i need to put someone with him in regards to um in regards to um booking me as a manager um but it's one of them, like you can always you can always find a use with someone, especially for promotions with training schools at the moment. Like it can help someone get that crowd work, it helps someone get that um that point of uh like just just a friendly face to be out with them and in terms of actually even just doing the match. Like train training schools I think we're really valuable for. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world everyone would be great in ring and a great talker but you're not going to see that 
everywhere are you and it, de it depends as well sort of I remember we we did like a seminar with Jim Cornette a manager seminar a few years ago and he always pitched it as the manager makes the wrestler the money the wrestler doesn't make the manager the money and it's what it depends on what aspect like with Tom would you be I don't know the Sheikh's business advisor would you be his manager how how would you present yourself I I've never put too much stock in the whole name sort of thing yeah. I've I've always just said like I I I understand the point of view because I think Heyman sort of um my my thing is I always try and avoid Heyman like yeah, comparisons to Heyman, like try and try and avoid everything and Heyman sort of introduced that idea of not calling people by as a manager mm. so I'm sort of like I've always very much been like well I am a manager and then that means that the audience so the audience has got one word for it they know what you are and just keep things as basic as possible yeah, yeah. so I've, I've never really looked at the whole sort of like obviously with shake it's the whole like we do it as like the idea that we're business partners because uh, I don't know how you two feel about it as well but I'm always like I find it really hard to answer the question of what's your gimmick because I don't really have one because I keep myself as basic as possible mm. um, so that I can be put with someone new and then mould myself around their gimmick. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. I kind of It depends what promotion it is, really. I would mm. just go with what, what makes sense. Like... Yeah. In NGW, where I used to work with Nathan Cruz, I was just his girlfriend. That's, I say just his girlfriend, but that I wasn't the manager. I had a character and it slotted yeah. in with him. So that was the easiest thing that slotted in that way. Whereas with the models, we were more sort of equals. It just, I don't know, it depends. I'm not really one of those who has a character that has to be span the same everywhere. I'll sort yeah. of fill in with what works. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm more or less the same. I think even with Lance, like I can work one promotion, for example, for, for you, Phil, for example, where we work as though we're romantic partners, but then I, we can work another promotion together and we're just mates, we're just tag team partners. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it very much depends on the promotion and what that promotion wants from us, mm. really. So, so, I mean, so we're very much, like, as performers, very sort of uh, good at improv, good at like, because Tom, you said you, you and you and uh, Shikashan, you don't need to, you don't need to plan spots. You just know mm. it. Now, again, I don't think that doing that, I don't think gets enough credit because to be able to just go out there and call it in the ring, just a little nod, a wink, a look, body language, like, that's something I think the four of us. Have, have obviously made um, really well in managing and we're really fucking good at. We don't, I don't think any any of us need to be told what to do. Like, yeah, I'll see you out there. Just we'll, we'll, we'll pick some bits mm. and pieces up. I will just call it. And I, I think that doesn't get enough credit because in a world where like my, my announcer, Dan, and he's going to hate the fact that I've put this out here. Last Christmas when he's making his Christmas dinner, he made an Excel spreadsheet of how <laughs> to make a Christmas dinner every time to like, breaking down the OXO cube to every step. Now, for me, that's a bit matching my Randy Savage. He, had, he wrote a list yeah. of two, three hundred things. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the Ric Flair's Ricky Steamboat's just like, all right, call it the ring. 
Yeah. That's improv at, at its best because professional wrestling is, it's improv. Despite people wanting to call it fake and planned and all this shit they put against it, wrestling's the, the last straw of, of improvisation. It's, it's the continuation of like whose line is anyway in shows like that because we do call so much on the fly. We can, we can change some little bits and pieces. We can take some little bits out. We can add some bits in. Uh, you get caught with the ref. You have to, then have to completely just think of something different. Doesn't get, doesn't get the credit it deserves. And I think that's why I've got such a love for watching really good managers like yourselves. Because you guys know how to just fucking do it. You can make it entertaining. Then you can make it serious. You can make it entertaining again. You can make it serious. I instantly get your characters. You don't need to explain anything to me. Just the way you present yourselves. I mean, Tom's moustache alone. I, I mean, that, that's that, that's not stick on, folks. That, that's nope. legit. 24-7, 365, <laughs> you know. On, on a wrestling show, it's quite comical, but I'm sure when you're walking down the high street trying to get some bread and milk on a Saturday morning, people are going, that's quite a tash on that dude. He's uh, a British Tom Salak just yeah. walked past me. <laughs> I was so happy. I was so happy when you called me Boise on the last Unstoppable show. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't have a gimmick, but if I do have a gimmick, that's the gimmick. Yeah. I was so happy about that. Also, it's I all... love getting caught by the ref because it means you normally get an early finish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so we've we've discussed good, we've discussed bad. I I, I want uh, an ugly scenario from all three of you. Something that either you've seen a manager do wrong, commit a cardinal sin that you just want to tell him stop fucking doing that shit. So go on, give me a cardinal sin that you've seen a manager break. Um, like, sorry, Tom was going to say then. Um, you see, even on TV, I, I see it on AEW the other day, cheating in front of the ref it just drives me up the wall. Like, that is rule number one. <laughs> but yeah. it, it happens all the time. Bizarre. It happens every night. It's, it's whether you've got the confidence to actually turn around and say, like, oh, okay, this is it for me. Like, I, I've had it I've had it on a on a show on Gulliver's just, just to carry on with the, the cheating in front of the ref point. Um when when we used to run Gulliver's and we were doing these camp shows on the fly, a spot we'd put in at the end of the match was basically just to put um H's foot on the ropes, but H landed too far into the ring where it was like there was no way I was gonna reach him. The only thing I could do was literally just pull the ref out of the ring and stop the free yeah. count. Yeah. So obviously, I think luckily it was Greenwood on that day, and Greenwood's fantastic. Um, so I pulled Greenwood out of the ring, and he just he looked at me, he was like, "Oh, that wasn't supposed to happen." And I just said to him, "You're gonna just have to send me out." And that was it. It was just like, just get rid of me and yeah, do the finish without me. Yeah. Yeah. Stace Cardinalson. One of my biggest pet peeves. And we've all probably seen it when we've been like round and about at shows. There's people who are there to be managers, but they are blatantly only there because their mates got them in. I'm talking like, like one sticks out in particular. I was working for a company in Wales and there was this lad and he sort of, it was almost like you weren't putting any effort in. Do you know what I mean? Like he's been mates with either the promoter or the guy that he's managing or whatever. And he kind of, on the top half was kind of like he was dressed in a bit Miami Vice, but then he just had like normal like jeans on the jeans bottom on. and like yeah. trainees or something. 
and you know he's just like come on man and then like yeah you know when you just like there's people who actually want to work yeah and you've got the spot oh for sure like I mean going back to what Phil just said about how we're all on a level of being able to work improv and not really think about it that's you know it's because all of us in this group put the effort in training first yeah we learnt the ropes and what and there's so many people who come in who think managers an easy way on the show who would be shown up quite quick if something yeah. was to go wrong or yeah they need to call something yeah. or yeah. yeah yeah oh actually i do have a story of like there was this phil you i'm not going to name names but phil you might guess who i'm on about as i tell the story <laughs> so i was working for this other company and um there was this girl and she was also she was also a model and uh, the promoter wanted me to get in like a bit of a have a bit of a to do with it so I said and her boyfriend used to come with her to the shows so I said to you uh, you know oh do you mind if I, if I you know just give you a slap because you know female manager and all that and her boyfriend stepped in and I was like oh no you can't do that and I was like why and he's like well, she's a model. She can't afford to get any marks or anything on it because she'll lose work and then she'll lose money. And it's like, if you're concerned about getting like, I don't know, bruised or cut or whatever, you probably shouldn't tell the promoter that you're willing to have a bit of a scrap. Mm. <laughs> Why are you in wrestling, basically? Because a slap in that scenario would be probably the most time thing you can do, really. <laughs> If, well, it's, yeah. if it's have a bit of a brawl outside, yeah, what else? It's like Valet yeah. 101. <laughs> In fact, I'll give you the full context of it, right? It was when nightclub shows were becoming sort of like PCW had just started up and they were running the mm. nightclub in Preston and a few promotions were like trying it out. And this one didn't draw very well. So I ended up not doing the spot anyway because you'll understand why I said no in a sec. <laughs> but the promoter said, Stace, we're going to run an over 18 show do you mind if your top comes off during the match you don't have to be fully topless you can have like a bra on underneath whatever you're comfortable with so I was like yeah fine whatever I was young at the time I was like I don't care <laughs> so the point of this scrap in my head was supposed to be sort I guess sort of ECW style where we'd be scrapping yeah. and then the top would somehow come off so they wanted me to sort of do this spot but I wasn't allowed to touch her but somehow my top had to come off and this wasn't the promoter the promoter had just sort of left us to plan it ourselves mm. this was like her fella who was like oh no you can't touch her so you, I was just like how am I supposed to make this work and I think he wanted me to go to slap her she'd move out the way I'd for some reason would bend over and she'd <laughs> grab my top from the back or something <laughs> In the end, though, because because they didn't draw again, it was yeah. one of those. They only drew about twenty people. I I said to the guy running the show, I said, "Can I not do the thing?" And he was like, "Yeah, I completely understand." Because I was like, "I'm not doing yeah. that for like twenty people, and you're yeah. probably not going to pay me because the house is light." So, yeah, yeah. <sighs> was that a lot to take in, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine the, you know, the the balls on on a fucking promoter to say, do you mind if your top comes off? 
Like, fucking hell. The thing is, though, he asked me. He didn't, like, say that I had to. He, he, he asked me. And at the time, I sort of got it because he was trying to push, like, the over-18s thing. Yeah, try to be a bit edgy, a bit candy yeah. about it. Yeah. <sighs> but, well, what a... I won't, I won't ask his name because you won't do that, but uh, <laughs> what a fuck... Is, is he still running? Uh, no. God, he's a fucking douche. I'll, he I'll, is. Message, I'll message you in a bit, Phil. I'll message you in a bit. <laughs> um, but going back to, uh, obviously, the ugly side, for me, one cardinal sin. I'm, I think, um, surely over the years, you three must have had, maybe not Tom, but you with the moustache and then mm. the gold rings on the hand and stuff like that's gimmick as gimmick gets you know mm. but have you have um you ever used any like like a prop a gimmick a, a walking stick a staff a scepter you know, mal, mal you've used handbags at times but, like have you ever used like a weapon at ringside or something that, that could be used as a weapon um i've worn a studded belt at times that I can just like take off and hand over or use myself or? Honestly, anything that could be used, I would find, I would find some like, you know, loaded handbag, yeah. that was my absolute pride and joy. Um, clip on hair extension, pull it out, choke someone with it. Because <laughs> like, my car, yeah. Um, my cardinal sin and I, I've, I fucking hate this. Is anyone that brings a weapon to ringside and they threaten an audience with it and the audience knows they're not going to do it. I've seen so yeah. many people bring baseball bats to the ring and they'll like kind of shove it in the in the the, the, uh, the crowd's face and the crowd don't budge. For the most part, the crowd go, he's not going to legit hit me in the face with a baseball bat or a cricket bat or something. Don't bring it. And so, no, so the crowd know you're going to back down. So instantly the performer looks like an absolute mm. chode. Because like, I'm going to hit you, do it. Um, later, you look like an idiot because you've not done it. At least use something that you can definitely use, like with Mal's loaded handbag. For me, um, my favourite one, I've seen it's, it's a kind of compressed air you get for like cleaning keyboards and stuff like that in offices. If you get it from Poundland, it's literally just air and a can. You turn it the other way up, and it sprays out like a like a, a jet. You can see it under dark lights. Mm. You can see really, really well. And I used to use it to Britannia wrestling a lot. And uh, like I'd, I'd be spraying it over the audience, and they'd be going, "Oh my god, it stinks!" It's just air. It doesn't smell <laughs> of anything because of how I'm selling it and whatever. But I started to like I was, after, after you don't you've done it for a while, you start getting a bit bored. I wanted to get caught by the referee every time. And do the Fresh Prince of Bel Air thing where you pretend it's a deodorant. So, like, <laughs> so the ref kind of catches you and you're going to go, shh, shh, what, 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 what? Just, but I was, yeah, Cardinal said if you bring a baseball bat, a cricket bat, anything that the crowd knows you're not going to hit them with, just don't fucking do it. I need Eat to ask it. you about that. I need to ask you about that compressed air then because you could do an ever finish with that. And I've, it's, always, it's wa I've always wanted to do an ever finish. A proper, proper eight, like old eighties mid south style. Ever finished? That would be great. Yeah. yeah, I've I've never brought I've never brought a weapon with me um, in any kind of way. Like I've everyone's always said like get a cane. Like you should get a cane. You should get a something like that. But it's like 
you you know what the as soon as a, a guy walks out with a cane, you know what the score is that someone's going to get hit with it. It's like why what surprise them a little, like find something like if I've got anything. I think the the closest I've ever come to using a weapon is I put my watch over my knuckles, yeah, like it was a brass knuckle. But I've only ever done that once, um, and I'd and I'd never properly do it. I don't think I'd ever never would make it a thing. Yeah, I've never done done a weapon thing. Brass nuts is hard to because they're not big. Like yeah. unless you're in the fr- front couple rows, it's kind of really difficult for yeah. the, the main audience to go, "Oh my god, yeah. he's used, he used some nuts." Because yeah. two, three rows back, you, you can't see shit yeah, at all. You just you don't you you don't know what the score the score no. is on stuff like that. Like it's got like if you've got a weapon, it's got to be a big massive thing that everyone can see yeah. it's just like it just for me it gives the game away too much like an eye gouge is so much more effective if they're on the road yeah. yeah yeah you can make that so everyone can see it yeah i like i, I like mal's uh the opportunity for like for mal to do a hidden gimmick or in a gimmick so if you've got yeah, mal's got the handbag and it's quite a big one and say she holds it up and the the heel drives the face's head into it try to kind of like look at it thinking yeah but it's still a handbag and then mm. out from out comes a brick yeah oh, a loaded a loaded gimmick yeah that's, i am on boards because a gimmick or in yeah. a gimmick i'm like love it didn't see that coming sometimes i'd stress myself out with it because i'd have it on my arm but then if i knew i wasn't using it in a match i would leave it in the corner and then i'm like oh but i'm making it so obvious i'm going to use it so then i just had to remember to... so it's the same i guess if you're going to hit someone with a belt you, yeah. you sometimes end up having it on your shoulder the whole match, whereas yeah. normally you wouldn't. So you've got to find a way to, I don't know, throw it down yeah. in a temple but mm. pick it back up later. <laughs> there's, there's one I think, Tom, you could get away with because again, like you said, you've you've kept it basic. You're you're mm. quite grounded as a character. You're not being too flamboyant over the top. All this sort of stuff. Like for me, the in the, the thing that I I would instantly pitch you. Okay, if you come out with like a neck brace on. You come out with mm. Sheikh Al-Sham, you've got a neck brace on, and you're selling every step down to that ring. Yeah. Every step is jarring. And for that 10 minutes, you are selling the shit out of that. Not too much that it yeah. detracts from the match, but enough that you're like, no, 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 not today, mate, not today. No, 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 not today, not today, not today. You're not being yourself. You're not yeah. being here, then, everywhere. And then right at that crucial point, off it comes, smash someone in the face yeah. with it. Like, something like that, I think, would be beautiful. Because, like, yeah. like Casts and stuff that's very old school, it's very 80s. Um, like I've, I've, yeah, I've always thought about doing the cast gimmick. Like, if you've got a weekend show the next day, turning up in a cast if it's with the same place, yeah, yeah. that's that's always a solid one. I think, I think yeah. it's a cowboy, cowboy Bob Orton always used to use like the arm one as well. Yeah, I just think it's so good because everyone, not everyone knows what real brass knucks feel no. like. I mean, I've, I've got a pair here, but I haven't used one shows for about 10 years because it's mm. too small, doesn't look, yeah. doesn't look right. Um, not everyone really knows what it feels like to be hit by a baseball bat. But more often than not, you know, if you've never broken a bone or you don't know someone has broken a bone, yeah, yeah. you know that cast feels rock hard. Yeah. And I think that plays a big part in whatever gimmick the managers bring you to the ring with them. Mm. It's got to be identifiable. Yeah, You've got to, you've got to know Okay, that that's that actually looks thing. I always yeah. think belt shots look a bit weak. Now, I've been hit with one and it stings like a bastard. But mm. for me, I've never it never looks well for me because the belt's a bit flimsy. Even though you've it's got, solid you've got to anything. leave a you've got to leave a mark on belt shots if it's the after effects of of the um 
whether there's a mark on the belt shots that creeps people out, I think. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Miles, Miles loaded handbag. I think that's mm. you could do. You can do so much. Like I love the idea of just like watching Miles pull out a fucking house brick <laughs> from, from from a handbag. Because if if I'm there and I'm there, you know, husband's wife, two kids. Yeah, got can't help me. Um, and I'm just and I'm just watching. And obviously, Miles, Miles up on the apron. She's done a bit. I ran into a handbag. She's taken a brick out of it. I didn't see that coming. Like, I instantly get it. You know, I, just, I, I love that. It's so old school. It's also, it's a, it's a bit almost um, like Roadrunner cartoon where they put like an anvil yeah. out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. doing it for long enough now. I could probably bring it back. I, I think you need to. For, for a new audience, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dig it out somewhere yeah. in my room. Yeah. Uh, Right, so we're, we're going to get into the the sort of like final stages of it. So let's be honest, we could talk about this for absolutely hours. Yeah. We want we want to kind of uh, keep it you know, not short and sweet, but medium ish and sweet. Um, what I want from each of you, it's twenty twenty. Well, coming to the end of twenty twenty one, a lot of companies are starting back. Uh, some are kind of waiting to the new year, so it's a big reset button on professional wrestling, especially Brit- you know, British wrestling after everything that's gone on. What I want from each of you, I need a, a stop, a start, and a continue. So these are three things that you think British wrestling needs to stop doing, start doing, and continue doing. So something, obviously continue something that you feel proud of that we do as an industry. So a stop, start, and continue. Any, any one of you want to, want to take it away? You've all got very questionable, quizzable faces on the go now. Mm. <laughs> um, I'll say stop and this might be controversial but i think there is certain areas that are just too saturated for shows manchester mm-hmm. being one of them like i still think we need to be a bit old school and be a bit more respectful of mm. companies that are already established and set up so yeah stop any more promotions popping up in the same city where you've already got two or three companies running mm. that's for me personally I agree with that. Well, there's a bit more variety of, on shows then as well, isn't it? It's not just the yeah. same people over and over again. Just be yeah. a bit more creative. You can't help top... where you live or where you want to start off doing a promotion, but I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. help out the other ones first and get an idea of how promotions run rather than nosediving it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, Tom and Stacey, have you, have, you, have you got to stop? I it's it's a pet a pet peeve of mine is um working heel one show and then working face the other. That's that's a real pet peeve of mine. Um I think that's unless it's unless it's your hometown where you've got to be a face, I think I think that's the case where like unless there's a requirement, a stop for me is like if you're a heel, you're a heel on the shows that you're on for now, unless there's a Unless there's a pet, uh, a specific reason like it being your hometown, especially if you're wrestling the same, especially if like with Mel saying like if there's lots of promotions somewhere and you're wrestling the same people, like there's no there's no cohesion to continue. There's no no point of investment of people seeing like a continuation of the story. Um, in my opinion, on that, yeah. Stace, you got one. I just had one in my head and it's gone. This is how my brain works. It just doesn't 
<laughs> yeah, I'll end the sentence there. It just doesn't. Um, stop, because only because I had a conversation with another worker the other day um, who mentioned that um, someone they were working for didn't like women's wrestling. Can we stop treating women's wrestling as if it's any different to men's wrestling? Like, and don't treat it as like a tick box on your show as well. Oh, we have to have one women's match to keep like all the fans off our backs kind of thing. Just like treat us like wrestlers. Yeah. If, if I'm going to join in on this stop, start, continue. Can I stop using the words intergender? Can it just be wrestling? Why, yeah. why, why, have, I, why have I got to break it down? Just be wrestling. Just... Oh, and can people stop comparing into gender matches to domestic violence because that's really disrespectful towards domestic mm. violence victims yeah it's definitely not the same thing so uh, back around to you then mal we need to start now so something as a business we need to start doing mm. i mean we do see it but I would love to see more people doing promos for their matches. Not just as a special occasion. I want to see social media promos just going up there all the time. Like someone like Isaiah Quinn, he's putting the content yeah. out all the mm. time. But there's no yeah. reason why other people can't invest in themselves this way and just develop the promo. And you're gonna, is it shyness? I don't know. Or we think it's not as needed when we go back to more like panto times. But... Mm. Invest in yourself, invest in your gimmick. Cost nothing to film a promo on your phone and put it online. Just yeah. promote ourselves. Mm. I want to see more of it. I mean, obviously, there are, people do it, but I just don't think enough people do it. Mm. Yeah. Over to you, Tom. Um, again, don't think this is a universal problem. And I think some places are starting to do it. I think start start taking a chance on trainees start taking a few risks um in terms of like don't have obviously put people on when they're ready but also don't have people sat in your uh training school bring bring someone this is something that again where we can be helpful in regards to this like bring someone in to work with them put someone with a trainee if they're not if they if their ring ring work is down um is is down and good but they haven't got a character, bring someone in to help bring a character out of them and stuff like that. Like start using your trainees in a good capacity in that way. Like it, it helps us to work as well. Yeah. Over to you, Stace. I think that people need to start, if they're not already, paying attention to what's happening on social media. Because whether we like it or not, social media is like a big part of wrestling now and this sort of comes from like I saw a promoter the other day claim that he didn't realize that speaking out had happened and it was like and his <sighs> excuse was something like oh it's because I've been working for the NHS over COVID and it's like that's no like stop he, he might have been blagging for all I know but yeah. and he most probably was but I think making sure of what's going on and, and just keeping your finger on the pulse. 
Yeah. Could I add a little um, caveat to, to that? Because um, with me being yeah, a promoter, I've, I've, my habit is a bit of a different take. No one's expecting everyone to get everything right. Like we're, we're experiencing um, stuff that we've never had to deal with, you know, for the, for the yeah. most part, wrestling's a bit of fun. You do take a couple of weekends a month and you go about your business for every other day. Um, no one's expecting every, every promoter and, and booker and whatever to get everything right, but just shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if there's this, and there's, there's also, there's no smoke without fire. So if there's enough coming out about a certain person, do some investigating. Don't, you don't have to take the, the point of view of the, well, the police haven't said anything yet. Mm. Do some investigating, speak to some people, speak to um, any, any of the girls that have been sort of, going through their shit and uh, you know, just be, be a bit more informed yeah you know, just shut the fuck up and, and listen to people you know mm. and yeah. so last last but not least so mal takes away with we need a continue from you so something that's something that you're proud of that we do as a business or as a bunch of performers something you want to see to I say the words something you want to see continue um i think touching on what stacy said about you know women's wrestlers are wrestlers just i'm seeing more shows popping up with multiple women's matches per show so i think that needs to continue you know you're getting two or three matches now along with the guys and it's just more of a mixed bag and i hope we can just improve on that across the board yeah yeah i think i think one thing um i'll, I'll merge this into into what it was originally going to be my, my start, but then it jumped out of my head at the last second. Just continue finding new ways um, to to do things, new way, new ways to promote, new ways to to uh, bring shows around. Like I think we got a little bit complacent over the last couple of years in the fact that we we set up one ladder and that it was like, oh, Stamford, Connecticut was interested in us, and now there's we've got this point where it's like. There's only one ladder to climb up um, and it might not be the best place to go anymore that I think that might have started to be establishing itself. Um, so let's just carry on innovating, finding finding new ways to, to make the British scene just as, as good as it can possibly be. Dace? Um, I think continue because something that I think we've seen quite a fair bit recently is promotions are starting to bring in uh, newer, lesser known talent. And I think that's a trend that needs to continue because I do think that there's space for everyone. And I think if you're booking the same talent all the time, and again, this is something that I thought was a problem like a few years back, probably I'm going back to like before NXT UK became a thing where promotions were booking the same people all the time. So you were getting like the same combination of matches. Whereas I think mixing it up a bit keeps it interesting for the fans because they're not seeing the same same old shit all the time. Yeah. I, guys, absolutely yeah. spot on, absolutely spot on. So obviously before we wrap up, where can the fans of this podcast and obviously fans of professional wrestling, where can they find you all online? Um, have you got any sort of uh, links and shout outs to your socials so they can uh, track you down? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. The handle at Melanie, at Melanie Price 01 and also got a YouTube channel, Melanie Price as well. 
and check me out, guys. Um, I am not on Instagram, never will be. Don't care if it costs me getting a contract. I don't take that many pictures. Um, the only place you can <laughs> <laughs> the only place you can really follow me is uh, at Tom Mac Wrestle Pro. If you want, uh, maybe like one wrestling tweet a month uh, in regards to in regards to wrestling. Um, yeah, don't don't add my personal Facebook either, please. I like <laughs> same. Yeah. Yeah, don't add my personal Facebook, please. I see you all out there trying. Um, <laughs> I am on. Fa- oh, I do stop, have. I've stayed. I've done it twice. All right, leave me alone. <laughs> I will block oh, you, Phil. I will block you. Um, damn it. No, um, I I do have a Stacey Rose Facebook page, but I don't really use it all that often. Your best bet is Twitter at Stacey Rose. Or I am also on Instagram at I am Stacey Rose because someone got the Stacey Rose handle before I did, which is really rude. Bastards. I mean, should, should we like troll her and bully her, or we're not, we're not, down, we're not, we're not down for that? No, <laughs> no, no, no bullying. I'll just Fine. message her every so often, like, give me your handle, please. How about <laughs> now? Have you ever said, like, Luke, if I give you 20 quid, do you want to, like, should we start like a, like a GoFundMe kind of thing? <laughs> no, I th- I'm cool with the uh, I am Stacey Rose on Instagram. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so, guys, honestly, seriously, this this has been fantastic because obviously um, I've known Stacey for God knows how long. I've uh, known Mal not as much, but still quite a bit. And obviously, Tom, I've got to know you recently at Unstoppable. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, or I uh, pop me clogs. You three are three of the best that have ever ever done it. And it's it's a pleasure, whether it's watching it on my shows or on other shows, or seeing pictures that you put up from other shows that I'm not even at. I love watching you three guys do your thing because it's keeping an art alive, and I think that's fucking a. So thank you guys so fucking much. Oh, thanks, Phil. Oh, thank you, man. No one's even cried, you bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Try my best tear jerky moments. Didn't even fucking work. That was it's been great. So we're. Ladies and gents and all podcast fans, this has been episode 34 of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the person for you podcast. They've been Tom McMahon and Stacey Rose, Melanie Price. I've been Phil Woodvine. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.